0: Hey y'all, it's Beth with Moms with Attitude. So today we are gonna talk to Kimberly Keene. She is an entrepreneur, um, a mom, a wife, a former educator, and she has her own podcast that Chelsea and I are gonna be on next week called One of a Kind, or One of a Kind You. And so we're really excited that she is joining our podcast we have you know a lot of questions she has a lot of great advice so hopefully you'll get out of it what we did and then you'll hear a little recap from chelsea and I. so enjoy it and again just uh one of a kind you is her podcast her name is kimberly keen feel free to look her up on social and follow her podcast and again we'll be on it next week and we hope that you enjoy this episode Hi, Kim.
1: Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks.
0: Good. So this is Beth. And I'm Chelsea. Hi, Beth. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. It's so great to get to connect with you and, you know, just hear all about your story and your journey. And of course, we've got some questions to ask you. Sure. Um. So first, why don't you just start off by telling our listeners, you know, who you are, how you got to where you are right now. And, and of course, you know, what you, what you do.
1: Yes, Because of course, now that I'm chatting with you, the dog is starting to bark in the background. So I hope you're not <laughs> able to hear that.
0: No, you're fine. No worries.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, so my name is Kim Keen and I am a life coach and Reiki healer and I.E.T. healer and, um, place of being a life coach and using holistic healing practices um, through my own journey of leaving my teaching career and feeling like a failure because I left teaching six years in and was really struggling to be a stay-at-home mom. So I went to therapy and long story short, um, there was lots of childhood issues brought up in therapy that I wasn't expecting. And so the journey in therapy actually ended up feeling worse a year and a half later than it did when I first started. So then I started working with a life coach and I made a lot of progress in eight sessions more so than I did in a year and a half. Oh, wow. And yeah. you have, you have your own podcast, right? I do. So, um, so that's the other piece of the puzzle is that I do have a podcast. It's called one of a kind You. So I share my journal entries there. Um, and I reflect on what I know now as a certified life coach and what I wish I knew in the thick of the struggle.
0: Okay, perfect. Awesome. So when you talk about, you know, some of the some of the struggles that you've had, you mentioned that, you know, being a stay at home mom. And what kind of struggles were you having and how did you
1: overcome those? Yeah, so I felt like a failure for leaving my teaching career um, because I always mm-hmm. thought that I would teach. And so then I thought, well, I have to be the best stay at home mom. And so I wasn't feeling that either um, because I'm very much a social person and I have very high expectations of myself. So I just felt like uh, the real, the expectations I had for myself as a stay at home mom were really unrealistic. And so I was struggling with allowing my kids to have time in front of a device and (laughs) making sure that I could clean the house and do the laundry and take them to all of their activities while not losing my patience while being perfectly dressed, while having them perfectly dressed, and um, just always having it together, and so that's uh, almost an impossible feat. <laughs> I have yeah, because for sure. nothing is perfect, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that we we can attest to struggling with that ourselves. <laughs> so um, we're not, and you know, I know we've we've definitely messaged. Um, back and forth, and as you know, we're not stay-at-home moms, but yes. we definitely have that mom guilt for sure, and, yes. um, you know, Chelsea owns her own business and has gone a lot just with, you know, traveling for her dance studio, and then she judges dance competitions and just, I don't know, a million other things she does, and then yes. I have a full-time job in the corporate world. And so just, yeah, trying to figure out how to be like that perfect mom, the perfect wife, the perfect employee, um, you know, all of those things is, are definitely, I would say things that we, we struggle with ourselves and yeah, have I the, think the same the guilt. The struggle
1: is universal regardless of whether you're a working mom or a stay at home mom, because it, we all have guilt. The stay at home mm-hmm. moms have guilt for not contributing to their families financially and the working moms have guilt because they miss out on things that maybe the stay at home moms don't miss out on, like school functions or chaperoning field trips or just, um, you know, sometimes being home with your kid when they're sick. So that was the struggle that I had with teaching. It wasn't always easy for me to not be at school when my kids needed me. So then I had to rely on my mom um, or my husband. And, of course, there's guilt there because you're the mom. You should be able to do it all. So, um, yeah, so the struggle is real universally. Um, but there are some ways to overcome it.
2: Yeah. So um, this is Chelsea Kim. Hi.
1: Hi.
2: Um, so I was curious what do you feel like is the main difference between going to therapy and having a life coach?
1: Yes. So I'm asked this question a lot. So, from my personal experience and the experience that I know of others, Typically, when you go to therapy, you talk a lot about, well, tell me about that time when, well, how did it feel then? Well, Mm -hmm. tell me about that time when. And so what I noticed is that it was just the telling of the story of the event over and over with Uh then also the push to be on medication and Mm -hmm. not really ever getting to the root cause of the problem of why was I feeling like a failure for leaving my teaching career? Why was I struggling to adjust to stay at home mom life? How were the patterns from childhood trauma and trauma as a teenager showing up in my life? It was, um, well, if you don't take this medicine, then you're going to be clawing your way out of the metaphorical ditch every day. But if you take this medicine, it will give you stairs to walk out. Um, Or it was like, spray yourself with invisible, invisible cooking spray, you know, Pam cooking spray. So that way, when the strings of codependency are attaching, they just slide right off. And she would get frustrated with me when I would say, yeah, that's not really working. Um, She would be like, I'm giving you tools for your toolbox. So with life coaching, it's different though, in that, yes, we do talk about the time, the experience, but we go a little bit deeper, not to the point where we're reliving the trauma or we're reliving the experience, but in a way that we're getting the pattern We're looking at the meaning that's been attached to the situation. We're looking for what triggers the situation now in current situations from past triggers. And it's really about getting to that root cause of the problem and working incrementally in a way that aligns with your current mindset as you shift to a different mindset or perspective. So it's very much uh, deep level work without re-traumatizing ourselves so that way we can let go of the old patterns that are no longer serving us and recreate new patterns. Hmm.
2: That's awesome. Super interesting. Um, so what, what do you feel like were some of your? do you, ha-
1: how old are your kids? I forgot. Did I- oh, that's okay. So Lily is 12 and Casey is nine.
2: Okay. So, um, wow. So preteens. 19, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. Preteen girls. Oh man. Okay. Well,
0: and those are the exact same ages of our oldest children. So So,
2: I have a 12 year old girl who is kind of a, like a perfectionist. Yes. At least to a degree of pressure, you know? So she, Mm -hmm. she does struggle a lot with like anxiety to a degree of like wanting everyone to be happy around her Mm -hmm. and her and her, her dad and I are, are, divorced. Um, so that, that probably plays a small factor as well. But, um, what do you feel like is like the biggest tool, um, to kind of relieving pressure from kids that like feel like they have to be perfect. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so I always ask them, you know, what would it mean if you didn't have that workout the way that you're expecting? Yeah. And so that's going to give you a, a, glimmer of insight into why the need of perfection is there so um and this was the the overarching theme with why i was struggling in my teaching career why i was running these patterns of perfection why I was struggling to adjust the stay at home <clears throat> mom life um, because we have these things called emotional needs. And I didn't create them. Tony Robbins did with a psychiatrist and I can never remember her name, um, but there are six of them. There are four primary needs that we need like air, food, water, and then right. there are two, gro- uh, two fulfillment needs. And so the four primary needs are love and connection, significance, certainty, and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so we will do whatever takes. It- to get those needs met, even sometimes violating our own values if we don't feel like we can get them met at a high level. Now, the growth and contribution—they're the fulfillment needs—and we will not do whatever it takes to to get those two needs met. So, usually, when the you know what is hitting the fan, ninety-five um, percent mm-hmm. of us we value certainty and significance, huh. or significance and certainty. So, it's one of in one of those orders. But those are the two um, needs that we generally are trying to meet. So for your daughter, I don't know the whole story, but I would say that she likes certainty. So she doesn't Mm -hmm. want to have anything uncertain. She wants certainty. She wants to know how it's all going to play out. And if it doesn't play out, she needs to be prepared with how to react and respond and what to think and what to feel. And so that's often the case with kiddos is that they just want certainty, but they Mm -hmm. also want to know they matter. And that's where the significance piece comes in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All of that is very accurate. That's very interesting. So, do you find
0: that older children have do you find that's more in older children than it is in second children um, or like the oldest? Like the oldest because yeah. my oldest is very similar to Chelsea's oldest and and where she's a little and she's 9 and so there's a little bit of the perfectionist in her. Her and I I feel like are similar in a lot of ways, but we're also very different. We look alike. Um, but she she's a lot like her dad too. So but um yeah, I've always just kind of thought that like older children and I feel like most of my friends that have older kids. Like the firstborn. The firstborn, yeah. 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 Like the firstborns always have these same like characteristics.
1: Yeah. Well, they're the firstborn, so they're used to having, you know, our undivided attention. Um, And then the second comes along. And usually by then we're not as on top of our game with baby books and things like that. So they're used to having a little bit more uncertainty. So my daughters are the same way. Lily, my 12 year old, she looks like me. She sounds like me. She very much acts like me. Um, And then Casey May Younger is much more like my husband in terms of personality, but they are perfectionists in their own ways. So Casey is very much a perfectionist with um, the way that her handwriting is on her paper. So feedback we get from school a lot is that Casey takes too long to complete her classwork because if one letter in an entire word is not Mm -hmm. perfect, word instead of just the one letter to redo it. Where Lily, Uh she's less worried about her handwriting, but she's more of a perfectionist in what grade is she getting. So she wants Mm -hmm. to have straight A's. If she does not get straight A's and she gets a B, in her mind, that's unacceptable. And, you know, so we have to talk about, well, what's the meaning, Lily, behind the B? What's wrong with a B? It still shows that you're understanding the concepts. It still shows that you're working hard. So really just shifting their perspective of the meaning they're giving the situation um, because usually it's well, it means that I, you know, people are going to think I'm not smart or um, that I didn't try hard because I usually get A's and now I have all A's and a B. And with Casey, it's you know, I want everybody to to think that my handwriting is neat. I want people to think that I uh, take time to get my things done and that I actually. Can't. So it's similar. Are you there? Are you there, Kim? Yep, I'm here. Okay, oh, sorry. sorry. That's okay.
0: <laughs> you cut off there for a second. We thought we lost you. Um that I do um
2: I do find that very interesting cuz my daughter is similar in all aspects, but in particular dance, um you know, she's a big dancer, but anytime she does um a routine, if one thing is wrong, she'll never just fix the one thing. She'll always start back over. Yeah. I'm like, "Why?" Why do we have yeah. to do that? <laughs> yes. Do you think that's something that as parents, we instill that somewhere? Or is that just like, I don't know. How, how do you like a night?
1: I, I think we do on some level uh, unintentionally because my younger daughter, Casey, is a dancer. I tried to have Lily be a dancer. I started her in dance. She was two and a half and it wasn't working for her. And so now she turned her nose up or scarred. And she'll say, you know, I just want to dance to the beat of my own drum. I don't want anyone telling me how to dance. And I think that's a defensive <laughs> attitude for her feeling like she's maybe not as good of a dancer as Casey right. is. Their coordination yeah. levels are totally different. Yeah. Some level we do. And I know that um, my girls were little. I definitely instilled that need for perfection in them, not realizing that I was. I thought that if they weren't perfect bad mom or I was failing as a mom so when we had family projects that were going to be hung mm-hmm. in the hallway in school they had to mm-hmm. be impeccable I <laughs> realized um, it <laughs> to trust themselves to do their family the the show, show. like with their own inspirations executing it so I had to actually take a step back and give them more um, autonomy to make decisions for themselves but also talking with them through things when they don't go just right and really uh-huh. getting, you know, helping them process through because it can be hard a whole to process when something doesn't go quite right. Right. And they don't under, they don't have the code. And so really ha- just having a having them talk through it. So, um you know, so Lily has other interests and we say, you know, Lily is Lily and can't, Kim- different people you have different interests you like different things and it's okay that Casey likes dance and it's okay that he Likes volleyball make one thing better or uh, you know more valuable than the other so just really helping them to see that they're their own we're gonna be perfect they're gonna make mistakes it's okay to thanks because that's how we learn And if we're not making mistakes then we're not really fully showing up
2: yeah for sure so I'm going to ask a tough question, I think, maybe in our world, or people who are like really competitive, right? Yeah. So naturally, I am very competitive, um, like Beth was saying, I own a dance studio, I coach a high school palm team, and and even growing up, I'm just competitive, like I just like to I like to win.
1: feel <laughs> <laughs> for being honest. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I can't remember who I heard it from, but it really resonated with me because parents ask me a lot and I have calmed down a lot in my delivery since I I have a two-year-old as well. So I've really kind of tried to settle in and enjoy him as he grows up. But um, there's a, I think he is a sports therapist or psychiatrist or something to that level. And he was talking about how, I get the question a lot from parents, like, how do I find balance with my kids sports. Like, how do I find balance? How do I find balance? And he was like, it just kind of depends because there, you've never seen an NFL athlete have balance growing up. They were 100% in, you know, you've never seen an NBA player or somebody that is extremely successful in their career as an athlete. There wasn't really balance involved. So, you know, I have the parent that wants their kid or the kid even who wants to be amazing. But then maybe the parent is like, well, we need balance and we need to be able, you know, so it's like, how do you, how would you navigate that?
1: Yeah. So I can totally relate because when my daughters were little, I had them signed up for every Mm -hmm. Monday through Friday, we had something going on after school, whether it was dance, horseback riding, gymnastics, Girl Scouts, swim lessons. Um, And it got to the point where they were tired and miserable and I was tired and miserable. And so we had, Okay, okay, two things. That's all we're picking is two things. And so, and even since then, it's faded off. Well, they still have two things. So dance and Girl Scouts for my younger, and then um, girls and volleyball for the older. But I think we use those activities sometimes to feel like we matter or to have that certainty because we're used to going to practice certain days. It's people wearing certain clothes, you know, because with dance, you have your uniform that you have to wear to class. I think as long as something that your child values I think okay it's when I've seen parents pushing their kids to do dance or cheer and you can tell they does not want to be there mm-hmm. I think that's where it's lost you know it's like well what is the motivation for you to they're clearly not liking um but I think too it's having that conversation um because my my nieces are my sister-in-law with the, with my older niece, who's just finishing freshman. Like this is out of control. We're up and doing homework because she cheers for she cheers for two teams at school, and so um, you know, she's like something's got to give, and that's he said. You know, I'm I'm okay to let the competitive cheer outside of school go because I'm ready to just focus on schoolwork and school. A choice, but helping them to see where are your priorities. How is it affecting you? Sleep, diet, um, because that's the other thing that I'm healthy, and so that's where the balance comes in. If they can navigate all of that, fantastic. If they can't, they just need a little bit of guidance. You know, reminders. Set. Rem- Snack of protein, or your cheese or your um, peanut butter or whatever the case be. You know, okay, it's you know homework. Devices go wet, cell phones are gone, iPads are gone, it's homework time, and then it's bedtime, and that's it. So it's to really get that balance about having a rhythm.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so Chelsea and I, it was a couple weeks ago, we did a podcast where we talked about, um, well, we kind of named it Dance Moms versus Soccer Moms, because yeah. my kids are have been mostly in soccer. Um, and obviously, you know, Chelsea and her her uh, dance studio and everything. But what you just said about like parents pushing kids to be in sports, that, you know, maybe that they're not really wanting to be involved in, I think is such a important reminder, I feel like for myself, because we were at that point where My husband and I really enjoyed the families that we were um, on the soccer team with. Mm -hmm. And so even though we probably should have, my daughter was, my oldest daughter was telling us for probably a couple of (laughs) years that she didn't want to do the soccer (laughs) team anymore. And we were just like, but why, you know, and we should just keep doing it. It's good exercise and all of that. And it is, you know, but was telling us like just so much earlier on to she didn't want to do it so um, you know for us we just wanted to be involved in the, the parents life and I have so many friends that um, go to the same school as my daughters and I feel like sometimes they're kind of in that journey too of like you know they just enjoy being around like the other families on the team and You know, the kids do get along, but like there's a clear there's it's clearly obvious that like the child doesn't want to do this anymore. But like the parents kind of feel, you know, like you need to have a thing. Like I feel like in the school system that my kids are at, it's very much like you have to be involved in something. Yes. And, you know, and if you're not, then it's just like you're not in this social orb
2: um, yes.
0: that you should be. And so there's a lot of pressure I feel like for kids to like have a thing and they don't want to have a thing. They just want to be like kids, you know, but yeah. here we are as parents, like forcing them into something. So mm-hmm. how, do you have any advice on that? Cause I feel like, again, a lot of our listeners and our friends like have that same struggle. It's,
1: it's, yeah, because- you know, as parents, we want our kids to try things. We want them to have interests. We want them to have hobbies, so that they're not just little couch potatoes sitting around mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, and because that's not good either. And, and it's, it's hard to because, you, you know, know, know you as parents, feel like, like you know, as we get older, sometimes we have less friends because life changes and working or work, family, mm-hmm. and you know, all these other things socialization and human connection and interaction, uh, maybe on some level more than our kids. They get mm-hmm. recess time at school. They, you know, communicate with friends in gaming chats and on cell phones and on that. And so their social world looks so much different than ours growing up. When we grew up without social media, without cell phones, you know, if we wanted to talk someone, we actually had to get on the phone. So. <laughs> <Or visit, laughs> <what I mean. laughs> So, our social world is so vastly different, and I think um, on some level, the overabundance of social media has on some level created that disconnection for us adults because we're used to operating. So the last thing we do is be not in um, with all the other things because there's that sense of missing out on something, and we are looking mm-hmm. for that sense of connection. But when we tap into what we truly value, um, it can be easier to let go. That if they're really truly our friends, they're going to make time to hang out with us outside of soccer. And if they're not, it might be a little bit hard that they're not their friends. They're not as close as we thought they were. Or like a, this deep, meaningful connection. Um, and sometimes we yeah, just, or they adults, just don't
2: really like you.
1: We just have to come to it, and it can be (laughs) our you just want to know out there like us going through the same things that can relate to us, same way we can relate to them. And so sometimes we lose sight of the fact that yes, we are pushing our kids to do something that they don't, it's just a matter of finding other ways to connect with those same parents like and value and have a relationship with.
0: No, that's. No, that's so true. I think that accurate. So very (laughs) accurate. Um, you know, and I think whenever we left the soccer team, you know, the, like you said, I mean, the ones that we truly, I mean, you know, we valued all of their friendships, but the ones that we kind of felt like they're
2: not listening,
0: (laughs) the ones that we felt like we needed to like (laughs) maintain you know and and retain I guess we I I feel like we definitely have a closer relationship with them and um you know I think that when we see our daughter now like how happy she is not playing soccer and not being on that team we were just like oh why did we wait you know it's like hindsight like why did we wait so long to do
1: this so Anyway, so. yeah, it goes back to that <laughs> uncertainty, you know, it's the uncertainty of not being included with other parents. It's the uncertainty of like, okay, well, if my daughter's not playing soccer, then what is her thing? And right, so because we don't, that uncertainty feels uncomfortable. Um, you know, and another word for uncertainty is variety. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we're very comfortable and we like that sense of certainty. In other words, for certainty, our comfort and so it gets sometimes very comfortable to just continue doing the same things over and over, even mm-hmm. if they're not necessarily serving because too much variety doesn't feel good either.
2: Right. Okay. So how about your marriage? Like being a life coach, do you feel like you overanalyze or do you feel like that? What What's some advice you give in, in communicating and, and really separating time for like husband, wife or significant other
1: yeah so um life coaching has actually probably saved my marriage because um my still life coaching you know like I said I was in therapy but I um an abusive relationship with my high school boyfriend so my so I was with him for five and a half years and it was abusive on all levels and um so I started dating when we were 22. So I had only been out of that abusive relationship for, oh gosh, maybe a year. Um, So I had a lot of unhealed stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, my husband grew up in uh, his family instead of mine. Like his parents are still married 50 years later. Like if there's ever a yard that has the white picket fence, it would totally be his family, Mm but not mine. So, um, on some level I say like prior to becoming a coach, I, I traumatized him (laughs) fighting and because he, his communication is vastly different than mine. So like when we argue, he tends to retreat where I'm like the full, not but I used to be like the pit bull that went through like went for the throat and like the mm-hmm. you know he's like the little dog that's on his back peeing all over the floor like scared out of his mind and I'm like no I'm gonna annihilate you dude like you don't <laughs> even know <laughs> uh, like you uh. don't even know so it's been so helpful because going through therapy that was a really um a lot of my therapy was exactly. about my husband because he had this crazy work schedule it's not as bad since the pandemic but Prior to the pandemic, you know, I used to joke and say I was like a single mom, even though I was married, because he was working 13 hours a day. So mm-hmm. I was doing everything with the kids on my own. And so there was a lot of resentment there. He came home and wasn't all in. for um, us emotionally, mentally, you know, all of those things. So there was a lot of arguing there. Working with a life coach, I could see, okay, he runs because they meet his emotional... My patterns because they meet my emotional needs, and I operate very much from masculine energy. I, you know, like to call the shots. I like to be, able. and so there were times where we were clash also trying to be the fixer, both parking and the parking spot. So there were times where I had hmm. to relinquish that feminine energy, allow things, and taking it but, like, be um, rescued, so to so speak. It's a huge eye-opener because, because I could see, see. tripped up. I and had expectations of how things he sh- should be. He had expectations but we, we came, came together and created more quantifiable, quantifiable. and, and um, so so it put it us up. on the same page. So, I can see that he say to me me so, so i'll say that's fine but i'm so tell you uh, what i see um but i do but from like you know the outside looking in this is what i'm seeing you know, know because we i, I use coaching lingo with my kids so my 12 year old um and my nine year old okay. they can tell you the emotional needs and lily listen class. class were they trying to meet their need of significance or this happened with people. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i should tell them i'm like no you should not ask permission first <laughs> you don't just go up to people that's, that's awesome they're going to meet their meet me for significant oh that's so, so um so we very much use this language at so um it, it's put us all on the same page um and it's been super hot um like I said we probably my marriage would have probably because um I think I was just at times too much for my husband to handle uh, in terms of emotions and frustrations and feelings and um I was myself about our relationship and him as and a mother that weren't true. And mm-hmm. it was impacting yeah. us. Um, and it was really driving a wedge between us rather than together.
2: Right. Huh. It's very very uh, true. Yeah, can so true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I
0: can definitely relate to that. Well, I know we only have uh just a few more minutes, but just wanted to see if there were like um to give the listeners maybe like your top three, you know, best pieces of advice, whether it's, you know, whether it's, you know, about yourself or about, um, you know, marriage or about your kids or anything like that.
1: I think the biggest thing is to let go a little bit. I know that in the thick of it, I was wound so worried about what other people would for a- as a person, if I didn't show up with perfect, perfect or with the way thought people wanted me to show up and be, and so of worrying about what other I let go of, being so or wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. When I let go of that a little bit, it's the. I didn't feel like I had to. The puppet. Aspect of every single thing, thing. and I just by asking myself, is it gonna matter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's wearing polka dots and, and stripes, and her outfit really doesn't match. <laughs> is it it's gonna, gonna matter, matter in five, five, years five years that I'm refusing to try three. salmon today in this moment? No, it's not. It's not gonna matter. In five, we'll try I it again, can- and she'll learn it. to love it. So I just had to let go. Of, I had to let go of the need to should be Um, because that was x because that selves and And then if we that's just an added bonus Um, but really validating we do that by we value social media then who cares what's being said on social but if we value our family and we're the family in a way, in a way that, that we're full laugh- and we're, you know, know not know each other and, other and we're making memories, then so, so just validating for the things that rather than, than looking at the things that you're not doing and seeking some external validity, determine we are worth and, you know, how great you are. Last piece is just really having um, grace and compassion for ourselves. Treating ourselves the same way as friends going through the struggle, um, whatever it mm-hmm. is, we're treating ourselves the same way because we're Great. equally deserving of that.
0: Hmm. I love that. I mean, all of those points. I, I mean, I was just sitting here thinking about like, I know for myself personally, I'm just always like, how can I you know, be better and do better and look better and and all of that. And so I think really what I just kind of figured out, I would say, especially in this last couple of years that, you know, it is about giving yourself grace. And so, you know, love that that was your last point too. Um, And to really just, you know, the most important thing is just to kind of love who you are and know that you know, if the external outside world doesn't love who you are, then that's fine, too, that you love who you are, the people that matter to you and are most important in your life, love who you are. And um, yeah, so I just appreciate you coming on our podcast, Kim. And it's been so great to just learn about you and hear all your all your fun tips and advice. And I know we're going to be on your podcast next week, too. So that's so exciting. Okay.
1: I'd like to, to chat talk with you me. ladies again next week. Yes. Yeah, a it pleasure. pleasure. So thank you so much for having yeah. me on your podcast. Yeah, for sure.
0: Thanks Kim. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and your week and we will chat with you next week.
1: Yes. You as well. Okay. All right. All right. Bye.
0: Bye. Okay, Chelsea. So now we're going to recap our interview with Kim Keen. I feel like there were a lot of nuggets in there. Yeah. Um, Super cool. So interesting. Yeah. Lots uh, of great information.
2: For sure. Um, So um, hopefully, you guys got something from um, some of her advice and tips. And um, we're going to talk to her next week, too. So I'm sure
0: she'll dive into us some. Yeah. It's just kind of cool might be a little scary when she comes with some of the tough questions reiki like yeah. i don't even know bring what that, them on i don't even know what that is so yeah. i'm gonna have to google that before yeah <laughs> i'm not into this whole like energy feeling like yeah kind of the therapy tap into it. yeah
2: so i think um i had some really um good takeaways and you know this this whole balance thing that if you if you listen you'll understand is kind of like I'm really focused on it right now. I don't know. I feel like it's, it's interesting to kind of dive more into it. Um, but my biggest takeaways from her were um, the four primary needs and wants, love, connection, significance, certainty, and uncertainty. And those are things that if you really think about them, um, we are need. yeah, we all need. Some need more than others, mm-hmm. um, and some value others others more than others <laughs> does that make any sense some people value you know connection or some people really value significance or
0: one over the other thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll
2: blame the braces <laughs> um yeah so the it was very interesting to to really think about that because i i can probably pinpoint people in my life and can start thinking like oh i bet they value x y and c that's mm-hmm. why they feel this way or that's why they act this way and, um, I don't know if it gives you any great answers, but it might give you a tool on how to deal with them or yeah. interact with them. Yeah. Deals yeah. may be a bad word, but.
0: Well, I no, it, it's all, so, it's yeah. all the same. <laughs> I thought it was,
2: it was super cool and I'm excited to talk to her next week. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I think for me, a lot of it was just reminders and, you know, just kind of a refresh of things that I've. Um, you know, either I've read or I've heard, but I think that we can all like, you know, we always need reminders, For especially sure. moms, especially working moms, because moms put so much pressure on their so- on themselves. Yeah. And, um, well, and I will say even, you know, if you're a stay at home mom
2: mm-hmm. as well, because there is a stigma there on that expectation mm-hmm. that it should be higher almost than a yeah. working mom. And so I think... Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, there's just... Yeah, I think husbands, significant others, whoever you are, um, need to need to listen to this podcast.
0: <laughs> or maybe listen to her co- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll, I'll say this, and, and I'll, you know, I'll kind of tell on myself... I used to, as a working mom, have this, like, preconceived notion and just judgment of, like, stay-at-home moms. Like, I was always, like, just mad. You don't even work. Well, I mean, that (laughs) honestly, that was, like, in a way, like, kind of my thought. Uh Um, And it was – it's obviously not justified in any kind of way. But, you know, I saw a lot of stay-at-home moms, like – dropping their kids off at school and then they would like go get their mani-pedi and then they would go like shopping during the day and all of those things. But when the pandemic hit and I became not only a stay-at-home mom, but also like a full-time working mom, educator, as we all did, I really started to, you know, I mean, that was a significant shift for everyone, but I really started thinking like, wow, like, put aside, you know, my laptop and my full-time job, just being here with my kids full-time as I was, was Mm -hmm. like just, I mean, insanity, you know? (laughs) Like I literally, when my husband would get home, I would like peace out, like I'm gone. Mm -hmm. Like if he would come home for lunch, I would go on a run and I'd (laughs) literally be gone from the minute he came home to the minute he absolutely had to leave because I needed that break. And so... Basically, like, the judgment that I had for stay-at-home moms was obviously unfair. I just was not – I just didn't know, like, all the stuff that they did. You know, like, you kind of see from afar that they, they live this life of, like, you know, they can do whatever they want during the day. But, in, you know, behind the scenes, they're the ones that typically have the expectation to cook and clean because they don't work. You know, there is, like you said, a higher level of expectation on stay-at-home moms – Because they don't have a quote-unquote full-time job. Right. But for working moms, there is an expectation of still doing those things. But I feel like there is like a level of grace grace that's given because, you know, like you can drop something as a working mom and understandably because you've got other things happening, but as a stay-at-home mom... There's, like, no excuses. There's, like, no excuse. Like, yeah. well, what were you doing? You know, yeah, kind exactly. of thing. And so... Hmm. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> Although I am a working mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, for me, I think, you know, when I think about this episode... I just, first of all, Kim seems like she's, like, such a cool person. Really wish she lived in Tulsa so we could hang out. And we would actually be, like, friends. Real friends. (laughs) Not just soccer friends. Yeah. Um, But I think that even as, like, adults, like, we do kind of, we do still want that, you know, we we still want everyone to be able to like us. And, like, we still want to be involved and, you know, like, We want to be invited to things. and Yeah, for sure. I think
2: subconsciously as adults. We all want to claim that we don't care what people think. Or we don't care about this or that. And whether you say that or you don't say that. I think subconsciously. I personally think people should care about how you're perceived. Because that that lasts forever. Um, And I think it it just feels like a no-brainer to me. It's like if you if you want to show up somewhere um and I don't know. I just think that there's there's something to that first impression as adults. You know, it it shows so many different things um and I'm not sure where I'm headed with this <laughs> except I just think that there is um we do all care oh, yeah. somewhere yeah. in there. You know, to be like, I don't care. That would just mean you would be like diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah, You would, yeah. you know, be a hot mess. You, you wouldn't put any effort into what you look like. And I don't know. I just think it's normal to care. I don't think it's a bad thing to care. And sometimes as adults, we, we have a tendency to, to kind of fall into that. Like, you know, well, you shouldn't care what people think about you. It doesn't matter. And it's not about matter. Or care? I think it's just about like how you value yourself and how you value how other people feel when they interact with you. Maybe.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, and I'm completely guilty of saying I don't really care what people think of me. But, <laughs> but then I do think like, no, I, I actually do like because if I didn't, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't care like at work, for example, like how you know, the presentation that I was giving, like if I was doing a good job or like, right. you know, like I wouldn't, if if my surveys that I receive, if they're not all fives, yeah. you know, like I I wouldn't put 150% into work, you know, and, yeah. and then also into my personal life too. So, and I think that's okay. Yeah. It's no, I mean, yeah. yeah, there's, like she said, I mean, you have to find the balance between the two, which I think that we all struggle with and that we're all like, just, I mean, Kind of stumbling through is to find the balance. I mean that that is kind of the hardest piece of whether you're a working mom, a working dad. I mean, you know, it's. I think everyone is still trying to find yeah that balance. balance.
2: I you know, and I I just, like I said, I'm stuck on this balance thing, but I'm stuck on the balance thing on both sides um, because people who do have kids who are really talented and successful obviously don't have a ton of balance at. Because there is a debt level of dedication that that doesn't allow, quote-unquote, balance. And I feel like those people are judged just as hard as people who do have a really balanced life. Like, oh, I would never do that with my kid. Or, oh, I would never. And I think um, I can see both sides. And mm-hmm. I feel like I would love to normalize that a little bit more than the judgment of people who truly love something and have really, you know... Um, intense goals or yeah something to that.
0: Well note. and I think also if we can try to exhibit balance in our lives as adults, then our kids can see what that balance looks like. Yeah. And so once we figured once you've figured that out, Chelsea you can let me know okay. like what that looks like. Well I don't <laughs> know
2: yeah. Balance is cool, but I also don't know if I am a person of balance innately. Like it's not something it's definitely not something that you yeah. would I don't for you personally. I don't yeah, I don't feel know. a high need for balance. I guess I do feel the high need of success and mm-hmm. showing my child what hard work does. Um because those are things that are left behind. Yeah. You know, and those are those are tools that I
0: feel like you know. But hard work, the, the definition of hard work is different for everyone, you know. And so where like you know one may draw the line right someone may not and I and I
2: respect that but I think we have to give praise when the goal is reached and I feel like that that can entail the balance I can show like I achieved this let's sit in it for a minute yeah there's your balance like we're like allowing instead of like
0: moving on to the next thing like like, right away instantly
2: yeah like let's sit in this before we you know set our next goal um so it's not you know I think that's about. I think that's a good balance for now.
0: I think sometimes in the corporate world it's hard to find that because, I'll, I mean personally, like when I've achieved a goal, and I feel like it's like you're you know you're praised for a like a, a minute or two, yeah, and then it's like that's true. Okay, so now we have to move on to this next project right. or this next thing, and so you that's can't true. sometimes you can't sit in it. The personal achievements. Which yeah, are like your kids doing well in school, or like scoring a you know a goal whatever, or whatever. Yeah. Those are the things I feel like I okay. for myself sit. Maybe in Maybe you warm. should present something about
2: balance and how yeah. They only give you a second to be <laughs> praised at work.
0: Well, what's interesting is you know one of the things that we do an engagement survey every year, and one of the things that we scored low on this year was. It was have you received merit ra- raises? No. <laughs> have you received recognition from your current leader in the past seven days? Oh. And really when you think at you know, some people are literal, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I was. Some people Yeah. One. Some people would look at it like in the past couple of months or whatever. So kind of the scores sometimes skew or skewed a little bit. And also that person's um mindset at the time. So like did you did Were you, they mad? Yeah, exactly. Were uh-huh. they happy? Did they just, you know, do something great? And mm-hmm. So, um so yeah, but it I mean, it was it was low this year and I was kind of surprised cuz normally we we score pretty high on things like that. Um but um it uh yeah, but it, you know, it's interesting. Sounds like a good presentation for you. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we were doing stuff about it. So, <laughs> anyway, okay, so if you want to follow up with Kimberly Keane, um, her podcast is called One of a One of a Kind View. And then like Chelsea said, we will be on that podcast next week, which is so exciting. It'll be our first time to be a guest on a podcast. I'm just like doing big things, doing big things over here. Um, and as always, we just want to thank you for listening and, uh, please give us a five star rating and share the podcast. Um, and we are looking forward to, uh, next week. And, um, I don't think we have a guest on for, well, actually we will. We'll have another guest next week. So, You'll you'll hear from somebody else next week. Awesome. So we're excited. All right, thanks all.